All right, friends, this is Pastor Zhang here at Faith Lutheran Church in Park, California. And uh, my hair, it's windy today here in California. It's a little poofy. But uh, God's blessings to you this day as we are uh, back here, uh, as we continue on in our study of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Uh, today we talk about the devil, the garden, and the fall. And what a great text this is as we, uh, as we study uh, the root, the root cause uh, of the separation from God, the root cause of sin uh, and, and um, death and all the, the, the pangs of this life uh, rooted in uh, this very chapter um, in the very uh, what is it? Uh, uh, the reality of, of sin and how it came into the world through our first parents. Uh, so why don't we begin with a word of prayer. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. Lord, through all things, we know that we were born into sin. But yet, O oh Lord, uh, you, you, you give us, by your grace, the almighty refuge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, grant us your peace, knowing full well that you account and answer for us as our greatest and most gracious advocate. Bless us as we study, knowing full well that, Lord, your will is done. But through all things, you give us our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. All right. Chapter 3, verse 1. Why don't we just kick in, all right? So, after, uh, as we see in Genesis 2, uh, that was the institution of marriage, and we, we concluded last week with those very words in verse 25 of chapter 2. If you have your Bible, please get that out. Uh, and the man and wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Very important. They were naked and were not ashamed pre-fall. They were, uh, there was no shame in this nakedness. This is how God created them. And, and they would uh, enjoy this life under the image of God. Um, and, and again... Um, uh, in this state of, uh, of being with God, well, now we see chapter 3 happening. This is where everything starts to um, turn over, right? Capsize. Um, turn upside down. <laughs> um, this, is, this is a very... And I say that, friends, because if we do not understand original sin for what it is, according to Genesis chapter 3, if we think that sin is simply a scuff or, or something that we can kind of rub off, right, by er- erasing it of ourselves. If sin is something that we can justify by our own good works, as if this is some type of scale, uh, if sin becomes something like that, we really, well, at the end of the day, don't know what sin truly has brought to the table ever since Genesis 3, but we'll never see the need of Christ and what he has done in his all-encompassing work of the gospel, right? So it's very important to understand this Genesis 3 problem that total depravity is our... Uh, whether we want to admit it or not, according to Genesis 3, this is our, this is who we are. We're born into sin. Right? No one wants to hear it. No one wants to acknowledge it. No one wants to go there. But the bottom line is, when we look at Genesis chapter 3, original sin coming into the world, this is what we inherited as sinners. Right? Not only sin, but also death. Not only death, but also pain and suffering and, 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 and anxiety and worry and struggle and, and all these things. We look at the world, pestilence, violence, right? Uh, famine, earthquakes, natural disasters. All these things are all rooted in, in, in what we know as, 
as the fall, right? Anyways, so who is the one? Who is the one that has brought this to be? And here in verse 1, we see what? Why don't we read this together if you have your Bible out? Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So that's the first uh, part of verse 1. And when we talk about craftiness, friends, now the serpent was more crafty, right? Again, what, what, is, what does this mean? Does it mean he simply knows how to do paper mache or, or origami? <laughs> of course not, right? Crafty means sneaky. Crafty means master accuser. Crafty means prince or prince of darkness. Crafty means father of lies. Crafty means disguising as an angel of light. Crafty means he is a prowling lion just waiting to attack. Uh, This is what crafty means. Crafty means he will use every which way to attack you with fiery darts of temptation. And what is, when we talk about Satan's craftiness, as we follow along here in the text, what is his greatest point of attack? At the end of the day, as we talk about his craftiness, it is the word. Satan's greatest focus is to attack the word. Whether that is to twist the word in his craftiness, whether that is to bring false teaching to the word, that is his craftiness, the devil will do anything. And here in the garden, now the serpent was more crafty. Here the devil, Satan himself, is showing us how crafty he is. Right? And clearly, it begins with the word. You know, friends, as you, whoever is hearing this and whenever you hear this, we can never just tell ourselves that, well, you know, in terms of false teaching, oh, you know, we're all God's children and whether it's true or false, you know, we all believe in the same God. You know, again, we have to be very careful that the word of God is preached, it is taught faithfully to the Holy Scriptures. If that is not the case, It is a very dangerous spot that you are in. And I pray that you tread carefully in really praying about, is this word that I'm hearing, though it is against scripture, is it what I need to hear? Because the devil is working overtime to twist and bring false teaching to the world and to you in hopes that you turn from the very word of truth. That's how crafty he is. He's not just there in front of you trying to attack you. He's lurking in every angle. You know, every, every idol that you might have, he, he attacks or tempts you with. Um, the, the craftiness of the devil, the forces of darkness are, are, I think, how we can explain it is that there are times in life where when we sin, we don't even know it. 
we're not even aware how sinful we are. And even in the act of sinning, we, we fail to even know that we're sinning. Again, this is where the devil works. That's how subtle he is. So when we speak of craftiness, the devil is something that we cannot battle ourselves, right? Uh, we cannot deal with ourselves. We need Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because look, this is, and this is just a, you know, manipulator. Um, we have so many destroyer, all these things the devil tries to do. And he always uses the word. Now, the key is, is what do we see uh, in the Gospels with, with Jesus in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil 40 days and 40 nights? What we see is, is Jesus being tempted, but yet what does he use? He uses the word of God, right? That's all there is for Jesus. Not only does he use the word, because he is the word made flesh, Right? It's because of who he is as he embodies the word in the flesh, the incarnation, that there he gives the word and there, of course, a sneak preview of what is to come at the cross. He destroys Satan there in the wilderness saying, be gone, you're done, right? No mas, el finito, right? El fin, the end, terminando, ending, right? Good in Korean, end, right? Sorry, I'm just going with all the languages here. But the point is, is that Jesus faithfully lives by the word and, and he sticks to that. He knows that this word is ironclad and, and that uh, uh, when there is that twist or the, there is that temptation, all there is is that retreating to the word, right? And, and this is what he teaches us uh, as he was faithful to the end. The word on the cross, lifted high upon the tree, Jesus Christ. Right? That's what he does. And, and the devil will do what? All in the meantime, even in our daily life, is do what? He is crafty. He is sneaky. He's going to use every which way to turn you from the word. Anything. Worry, doubt, anxiety, idolatry, manipulating, even accusing you of your guilt, saying Jesus isn't enough. He might have forgiven all the sins of the world, but your sins? Are you sure that God forgives you of your sins, the devil says? Right? So uh, again, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, the accuser, the devil works in so many different ways. And the only way uh, we, we, uh, we have our great defense, our great refuge is the word, is the word of Christ, right? All right. So how does he attack? Again, I say the word and that seed of doubt is coming in. Second part of verse one. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? You know, th this is where that, that drop, this is my drop picture, droplet. <laughs> um, this is where we see the seed of doubt being given to Eve. Did God actually say Right. Luther would say this about this, uh, that here in this, well, before we get to the Luther part, you know, here when, when, when the, the devil is saying or questioning God in a sense of to Eve, did God actually say, he is making all these little cracks and fractures 
into what the word says. And he's trying to create these fractures in the heart and mind of Eve, right? Did God actually say, we have all of these different roads of doubt, of wonder, of question marks. And did God really say, this is the, 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 the droplet, that ounce of doubt that the devil is trying to infiltrate the heart and mind of Eve. This is, this is the battle that is at hand, right? And uh, again, Luther would say this. In his uh, Luther's Works, Volume 1, if you have it, verse 147, or uh, page 147, for the chief temptation was to listen to another word and to depart from the one which God had previously spoken, that they would die if they ate from it. So the chief temptation was to listen to another word. He is giving them another word, the crafty devil. He is giving them another false word. Like, that's the thing about false teaching, friends. It's not just, oh, that's a little off. No, this is the devil working. Because he knows when there's false things, there's false promises. And when there's false promises, there's false faith. And when there's false faith, there's false everything. Right? And at the end of the day, all you have is what? Despair and terror and wondering if you, you are actually a child of God. Anyways, another uh, quote from him, Luther. This is an instance of the awful boldness of the devil, as he invents a new God, lowercase g, and denies the former true and eternal uppercase g God with such unconcern and assurance. So in that, actually, there is this unconcern for the one true God as he is trying to construct a new God in this very question, the God of self. The God of me, myself, and I. He's trying to infiltrate the heart and mind of, of Eve. And there, uh, well, we see the next, uh, her, her response to uh, the devil's question. So why don't we read verses 2 and 3 together. And here it reads, And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Right? Now, I put this in purple. You may eat of all the fruit of the trees. Of course. Uh, you, you shall not eat of the tree in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The interesting is, thing is, right here is, um, you know, there's this interesting addition to, to the word. You shall touch it. God, God does not tell her these very words. He simply says, uh, what does he say uh, in verse, why don't we go back here. Um, in verse 17 of chapter 2, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. There's no uh, words about touching it. Maybe this is an over-embellishment, an overreach to kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of compensate for all the words that uh, the devil is saying. We really don't know. But the fact is, there is this addition to the word. Now, this is kind of that moment where we see how sin... It rears its ugly head in so many different ways, right? Whether it is uh, by the uh, devil who is accusing and attacking us in every different way, but also this 
the sedition of you shall touch it, that we, we shall not touch it, right, lest you die. Um, and, and this is, again, uh, where that uh, focus of, of paying attention to God's word is so important, right? That uh, paying attention to his word and, and taking heed to it and his, com- his divine command is very important. Now, we see how the wheels are slowly falling off as uh, Eve is adding words um, to, to what the Lord has said in Genesis 2.17. And there we see kind of the, 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 the symptom of what shall surely come in, in, in there in a very moment. And this is, um, again, a very important thing, right? Addition, subtraction, whatever it may be. Hearing the Word of God, studying the Word of God is paramount for your spiritual life. Right, I can't tell you how many times I, I encourage and emphasize. I should do that uh, even more, but uh, to emphasize people to come to Bible study. Right, we need to know. It's like you know the devil will always cast these questions out to us, and we see you know again we see the addition here, and we do that too. Right, if we don't know what the Word of God says, we're an easy target for the devil. We, we fall short quickly if we don't even know what the word says, because just as Jesus, again, we're not Jesus, of course, mind you, we're not Jesus. Hear me again, we're not Jesus. It is in his perfect faithfulness that he, that he was rooted in that word as he gave the word um, in the wilderness to the devil, and, and there um, he would show his victory over uh, the evil foe, right? And likewise, for us to be in the word, right? That's not a doing That's not just because you're Christian, you have to be in the Word. No, this Word is who you are. Just as I told the Confirmation kids on Wednesday, the Confirmation is not a class, right? It's your life. Confirmation class is about your life. It's more than just passing a test, memorizing things, and doing all... No, this is about your life, right? And and so it is with the Word of God. Uh, We know how easy it is to add and subtract. We see a world, even in Christianity today, that in this day and time, that is happening rampantly throughout our Christian circles. And what a tragedy that is, right? I'm not going to name names, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, And and how easy we uh, have that addition. And and here we see, again, in our first parent, uh, first parents, Adam and Eve, how that addition really is uh, 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 the I won't say the microcosm, but uh, the 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 symptom it's symptomatic of of what will surely come in verse four and five. I'll read that together. Verse four and five. Whew, I'm out of breath. Why am I out of breath? Is it because I'm speaking too loud? I think I'm yelling again. Sorry, folks. Hopefully, I'm just I just love this stuff. This is great, right? Anyways, verse four and five. Uh, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So what is happening right here? Surely you will not die. The devil is doing what? Giving false assurance. Also in that surely saying, what about God? God is a... Liar. He's lying to you. And what the devil is saying, God does not, he wants to oppress you. He wants to restrict you. He wants to confine you. He does not want you to have everything and he's keeping it away, right? 
That's what the devil is saying. He's calling God a liar. It's all lies, the devil says, as God says you will surely die if you eat from No, you won't. You'll be like God, right? And this is the picture of, of how the devil is manipulating, how he is twisting the truth. I mean, the, uh, the laundry list of who our devil is, he, he continues to attack in every little switch and, and angle and, 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 every, and every moment he can to turn you from the word, right? And here he brings out the fiery dart of surely, right? Uh, um, I will give you a false assurance. Um, and here even, even more conniving and more deceit, Full and more diabolical is what? For God knows you will be like God. It's as if the devil is saying, I know what God is thinking. How diabolical is uh, Eve, I know what God is thinking, and you will not die, but you will be like God. See, that's what happens with how the devil works, and who is our greatest idol, first commandment stuff? It is ourselves as we love and desire to be God in our lives, right? This is very applicable to us as the devil continues in his stratagem to attack us in the same exact way, right? For God knows you will be like God, right? And this is our same plight, our same temptation as we find false assurance in the devil, the flesh, and the world, And there we see how these three things, the unholy triumvirate, uh, control and dictate us in so many different ways as we fall to sin. Surely you will not die, for God knows you will be like God. That's the God, yeah, the devil knows. I guess the devil's God, he is saying, the devil's is, right? That he knows God and he knows uh, the inner workings of God, right? That's his great deceit. He doesn't, right? You will be like God. We live in a world today where everyone wants to be like God, whether it's by their status, uh, their, 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 their pride, uh, their place in this world, uh, their socioeconomic status, whatever it may be. Um, everyone desires to be like God, to take control of their life and not trust anyone outside of themselves, but only themselves. And this is the great allure of the human flesh. And the devil very well knows um, our our vulnerable, our, 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 our weakness uh, for this desire, how, how we crave for such power and, and to be like God. Oh, how our flesh is um, in this way. And uh, if you are completely honest with yourself, you very well know uh, that this is so true. So again, what's the, the even the, the, the more tragic thing right here? of this deception is what? They were made in the image of God. They had everything, right? They had free will. They, they were perfect. Uh, God gave them um, everything, but this one prohibition, they were not to do it, right? But they were with God. There was nothing else. See, this is what the devil says. And even to us, reconcile to Christ Jesus by his body and blood. We, we, we are in Christ. We are with God. But yet the devil says there's something more. 
right? There's something more. That God isn't satisfactory. That God hasn't given you all that you need. That you need to find this yourself as you become your own little God. No, all that God has given to you, all that continues to provide for you each and every day at this very moment, there you live the life of contentedness. Uh, commandments 9 and 10. God's gift of contentment. Right? That we are content. Anyways, this is the tension that our first parents saw, uh, but also for ourselves. This is the tension that we uh, face every single day, right? Um, Okay, so there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, Verse 6, why don't we read that together? Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delightful to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So a lot of good stuff there. Saw took and ate, uh, even her husband took, and we'll talk about this. Now, again, how, does, how does the devil work? He, 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 he gives them uh, that, that attack, that temptation. And, and uh, there, as we know the story of uh, David and Bathsheba, adultery, murder, all of it. It's, it's David who, who saw this beautiful woman um, laying out uh, one day, and, and he saw and took and, and had her, um, and, and there she was impregnated, right? Um, in order to cover it up, we know that uh, inadvertently, he, in a very sly way, he, he got Uriah killed, but covered it up as if he was murdered on the battlefield just by, um, just by happenstance, right? And, and again, we see how the disease of our first parents, that this fall into sin, uh, we see that also in David, right? Um, that he saw, he took, he ate. This is, uh, uh, this is, in a sense, as we look at the covetous flesh, as we look at uh, our cravings uh, in the lust of this world, how that... I'm going to read this quote for you. All right, it says right here, uh, Luther's works, um, chapter, uh, volume one, It says, while sin is active, it is not felt, it does not frighten, it does not bite, but it flatters and delights. And inasmuch as these things happen when nature was still perfect, it is not surprising that they happen likewise to us. While sin is active, think about that. When you are in that moment of sinning, it is not felt, it does not frighten, um, but it actually flatters, right? And after the fact, we realize what had happened. But in that moment, and when we get in the shoes of Eve and Adam as well, in that moment, there's no consequence. There's no biting. It's just we're so focused and our blinders are on and we're just focused on what is at hand and what happens. We saw, we take, and we eat. She saw the tree. It was good for food. Again, what's happening there? What she is seeing is is basically in her sinful nature. What God has given me, that was not enough. This is even better. And I need this food, even though the Lord said, do not eat from this tree. And that taking, it was a delight to her eyes. Her eyes, lust, 
lusting for what could be if she ate from this tree. She could be like God. We know in Matthew 5 about adultery. Whoever even looks at a woman and lusts after a woman has already committed sin of adultery. And that is true. And there, as she saw, she took, and then she ate the very tree for that desire to be wise. Again, God had given them all things. He made them in his image. And the devil attacked by the word, saying there is more than just the word. That this word he twists and manipulates in hopes that they see, Adam and Eve, that there's more than what God could, uh, more than what God gave them, and that they needed it more than what God had said to do. Right? And this is the tension of the fall. It's the word is target. So the greatest tragedy, friends, is when the word is twisted, the word is turned, the word is falsely taught and preached. This is the greatest poison ever given to humanity. And we see it running rampant in our world today, especially about the word of God, how quickly it is turned to another word, another little God, another new little idol God. And there people take it and receive it hook, line, and sinker as if this is the truth. And far from it it is as the diabolical work of the devil continues to twist and turn in hopes of turning us to what? Unbelief. That's the bottom line. For Adam and Eve, this was their course, Right? All right. She also gave to her husband. Again, Adam. He didn't, in this narrative, he didn't deny it. He didn't say, oh, no, we shouldn't eat of it. No, he was guilty by association. He was guilty by participation. Uh, we, We see right here that he also fell into sin. You know, what a quick little, quick little one-liner there of the afterthought, but yet what a big, what a big line that is uh, to show us what he had done as well, right? Now, the age-old question is, where was he when, when Eve was being attacked by the devil? And that's another uh, question about his vocation, right? Um, we see how everything is turning upside down in the garden right now. All right, so after they ate and took and saw, or saw, took, and ate. We see in verse 7 what happened. Why don't we read this together? Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Their eyes were both opened, and they knew that they were naked. Again, going back to verse 2, or 25 of chapter 2, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So that nakedness and not ashamed in, in chapter 217 shows of their innocence, shows of their oneness with God, shows them of the blessing that God has given to them as they were, uh, as they were under his name, as he given them everything in their life. But now, ever since the fall, their eyes were opened, and what did they do? They saw their nakedness, and rather than being not ashamed, they were shameful. They realized what they had done in the sin, and what did they do? They tried to hide. They tried to cover up by these by sewing these uh, fig leaves together. 
Um, But the reality of it all was, no matter what they tried to do to hide, this just wouldn't be the answer. When sin comes into the world, we cannot hide. The question is, how do you hide? What are ways that you hide from your sin? Whether you, I know, um, uh, sin isn't biodegradable. I know Jeff said I should say that's a good quote, but sin is not biodegradable, right? Sin cannot be swept under the rug. Sin cannot be hidden by our justifying of our own morality, of our own law-abiding goodness. Sin cannot be justified by, well, you know, I've done all those things, but I've done all these things, and, and you know, it, it could somehow hide all my trespasses and transgressions. You know, humans cannot hide from the reality of sin. There's nothing that can declare us righteous by our human work. Whether we ignore it, whether we sweep it under the rug, we, we, it just, it's there, right? Our guilty conscience reminds us of that every single day, right? And Adam and Eve tried to hide. They tried to hide their nakedness, the realization of their shame and sin, and there they would sew fig leaves together, hoping to, to run for cover. But in that covering, we know that would not suffice, as we will talk about next week. And hear this day as you study this. This is very important. Because of this, sin came into the world. Sin and separation. And what equates to that is that we are lost and condemned. No one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear the reality of what we were born into. We are lost and condemned. That means we cannot find our way back. That we cannot, by our own human strength, Right In that condemnation, free ourselves from the iron bars of sin and death and the power of the devil. We are helpless and broken right, and dead in our trespasses. That's what Ephesians 2.1 says. You know, with this picture of, of the utter mess of sin, what does God do for us? Does he leave us here and says, no, you know what? You guys deserve it. You're going. I'm done with you. I'm done. No, he, he promises, as we'll talk about next week, Jesus Christ. See, this is who your Lord is. That even in the mess of our sin, ever since the fall, as we inherited that as well, sin and death, and, and every sin that we have committed, there Jesus forgives you of all your sins by coming to this world sent by the Father to be your Savior. Where there no longer do you try to hide and attempt to hide in, in whatever false pretense you Make up for yourself thinking that you're good with God. No, he gives you the refuge. He gives you the shelter. And that is Jesus, the one who shed his life, who was lifted high upon a tree and who shed his blood, washing away all your sins and three days later dying uh, and rising for the sins of the world. And this is where you flee. This is your covering. And that's the words of Christ. But it's only Christ. Because we know our sin for what it is. We know, as we talked about today, what it is brought to the table. We are all born into sin. We're not born clean, friends. We're born into sin. And there, the only remedy is Jesus. Everything about Jesus is for you, 
right? You don't play a part in that salvation because the spiritual reality shows us in this sin that we cannot. We are, we are stopped in our tracks. We are dead in our trespasses. We are lost and condemned. And if you've ever been lost, you can't find your way back. You need someone to find you. And that's what Jesus does. He finds you by taking upon this flesh and dying for you. This is your Savior. And in the midst of this, we see how God's grace, God knows. He knows what he needs to do. And he did it because he loves you by his own sacrificing of his son. This is who your God is. It is our Lord, most merciful. He is our Father, who gives you the great refuge, and that is the blood of Christ. Remember that this day as you go on, knowing full well that, yes, the devil will continue to attack. Oh, yes, he will. But yet, Jesus answers for you. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for the sins of the world so that you may not perish but have everlasting life. All right, we'll talk about that next week. Genesis 3.15, all right? But until then, why don't we close with the word of prayer. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for... Uh, for defending and protecting us and leading us even in these valleys of the shadow of death and, and of all the attacks of the evil one. We thank you for your word as you continue to bless and keep us in the promise of Christ. Lord, lead us this day and sanctify us in your truth. And, and Lord, grant us um, your peace as we live in the righteousness that you bestowed upon us by your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done and continue to do Bless us in your holy word. We pray all this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, friends. I thank you for joining me today and and sticking it out. And rewind, review, look at all this stuff, and look at the notes, and um, really apply it to how the devil even works then, but also in the same way how he works now. Then the answer is the word of Christ. Now, the answer is the word of Christ. You have the answer, and that is Jesus for you. Salvation, name, he will save people from their sins. Christ, the anointed one, set apart to do the holy things of God, and that is to die for you, and that's what he does. This is your word. This is your shield, your strength, your helmet, your breastplate of righteousness, your belt of truth. This is your almighty refuge, the mighty fortress, Jesus Christ. All right, I've talked enough. Thank you for sticking it out. Have a wonderful day. God bless you all. Until next time, may God's peace be with you. You are forgiven of all your sins. Have a wonderful day. Adios and goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.